let's, let's uh, talk about the material for today. Uh, it comes from a book called Core 52, um, which is uh, like a devotional book, 52 themes in the Bible, and we've been walking through that. This is the last Sunday for a while until uh, the new year for Core 52. We'll pick back up in January. Um, uh, to, to get into the material, I want to talk for a minute about um, like distractions, and, and uh, I'll talk about myself because I'm an only child, and that's my favorite thing to talk about. Um, that's why you all came anyway, I know, just to hear about me. <clears throat> so I have a son named Elijah. How many, how many of you uh, are more, like I, I, I daydream, I, I'm not like, I don't think I'm like ADD where I you see a squirrel and like, you know, distracted by the physical world. If anything, I don't notice the physical world because I'm pretty like in my own head. Um, I have a lot of, of conversations, in, like in-depth conversations internally. Nobody's talking back to me, but I, 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 I have the conversation. And uh, how many of you are like the distracted, like daydreamers? How many, how many chronic daydreamers do we have out there? Um, okay, how, how about like, nope, I'm like steel trap focused. Nobody, you're lying. You just don't admit it. Thank you, Sandy. Type A's won't at all. I'm not type A. The spouse is like, yeah, because that's the way Kelly and I work. Um, so um, what was I talking about? No, I'm kidding. Get it what I did there? Um, mine is more like, like conversation. So my, my, my son, Elijah, is 14 years old. Uh, he, he picks up on idiosyncrasies in people, really like little subtle things. He can pick up on, and so he does these impressions, and they're hilarious until he starts doing, you know, you. Um, but he'll pick up on little subtle things and then, and then um, uh, impersonate it, and it is so funny. Um, but, the, but the one day he, he, he put me on to the fact that I do this, and I didn't notice it before. Uh, but, but when I, I have in-depth conversations, whether I'm going over sermon stuff or a conversation I may or may not be about to have, I'll like, you know, I'll be letting somebody have it in my brain or really giving this amazing teaching in my brain. And he would notice, he was like eight years old, <clears throat> he's in the car, and he sees me, like I guess I, I again, didn't notice this, but I'm talking, I'm like, I'm not like demonstrative, but like just real subtle, like in a match things, my hand will you know, be off the steering wheel or something like that, as I'm, as I'm having this conversation in my head. This is why I end up in Valley City when I'm trying to go to Giant Eagle, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, oh wow, I missed my turn four miles back. Um, um, and he's like, Dad, you're talking to somebody in your head, aren't you? And I'm like, no. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm really doing it. And he started saying it all the time. Oh, you're talking to yourself again, aren't you? You're talking to somebody in your head again, aren't you? I'm like, shut up. Uh, but I, I realized, oh my gosh, I really, really do this. And this is, this is really why I get you know, distracted in life. And, and so because of this, I have to set alarms all day long. Like I, I, have, I actually, and my wife makes fun of me for this, at 9 p.m. every night, an alarm goes off reminding me to set my alarms for the next day. So I have an alarm to remember to set my alarms. And if I don't, I, you know, I could just be off into thought or daydreaming or whatever and then just you know, miss anything for any reason. And, and I say all that because, because in, it, while some people have the personality to, to be like, you know, I'm always on task, always on focus, I know what I'm doing, I know why I'm doing it, and you know, I'm a list crossing off machine. Others get, dis get distracted in the physical world. Spiritually speaking, I think we're all prone to like, you know, wandering, 
um, to getting distracted in life, and we need that like reminder to, to get headed in the right direction again. So, so uh, the Core 52 material today is about a very specific theological debate. And what I want to, I'm going to talk for a minute about that, frame that debate up for you, just to kind of, just so that I've honored the material. Um, but what I want to talk more about is that what the, what the big picture of that debate says for us, because I think it frames up really a bigger picture, a purpose for life that we get distracted from and need to get called back to, and that's where I want to spend most of my time, is more the so what than the debate itself. So the debate itself is called um, uh, predestination uh, or election or Calvinism or reform theology. That's, that's one, like one side. It's the idea of, of predestination is does God know and did God pick who's going where? Now let me be clear. Um, okay, first of all, I have spent, like, I, I used to spend hours and hours and hours and hours, days and days and days, years and years and years, studying theology and doctrine was more of an intellectual type with that. Like, I loved studying scholars, archaeology, doctrine, all that stuff. Um, about 10 years ago, I probably made a shift to more um, praxology, like more just, just uh, how do I put things in, at the end of the day, most people just need to know, like, yeah, but my wife hates me, what do I do? Like, how do I get through? And I noticed in my own life, it's like, I was more like, uh, as life got more complicated when I had kids and parenting and, and got older and, and dealing with just the world more, uh, I started to shift away from theology a little bit more into, okay, well, how do I put this stuff in practice? That's what was more important for me. <laughs> I say that because when it comes to uh, theological issues, if you like to study theology and doctrine, understand that you really, really haven't studied a doctrine or a theology until you've read at least two books on multiple sides of any given issue. Because it's really easy to study one side of a doctrine and feel like, okay, I studied that, but no, you've studied one side of it, which means that you got the best thinkers giving their stuff about why you should think this and why the other side's dumb. Meanwhile, the other side has their books like that too. And when it comes to this doctrine of, of, of predestination, what you see is whatever book you read about, it's like, oh, that's got to be what it is. Like until you've read Balanced, you really in it, you pick, pick the issue, women in the church, um, predestination, whatever. Like you need, if, if you really want to study doctrine and theology, you need to study multiple sides of, um, of, of an issue. Um, so all that to say, while I have come down on, uh, like, like I am not a Calvinist, I'm not Reformed, um, I do not ascribe to predestination as it's defined by Reformed theology, I'm good with you if you are. Like, totally, you are welcome here, you're fine. Um, uh, if, if you're Reformed in your theology, um, Calvinist in your theology, fine, no big deal. It is what it is, it's not a problem, okay? Now for me, <clears throat> at the end of the day, um, there, there's several tenets to Reformed theology, and you'll read about this more in Core 52, and again, I'm not going to hang out here for long. It says something like this. Um, it starts out with, a, it, there's a TULIP um, acronym, and it's a total depravity, which says that, that if, if we are born, um, we, we are born sinful, and there's no way, we, we are so uh, messed up spiritually, um, 
that we can never choose God on our own. There's nothing we could do to choose God, to believe in God. We are, we are, we are that messed up spiritually. Um, and and so, so we start out with an inability to, all of us, we can't find God if we wanted to. We can't say yes to Jesus if we wanted to. But fortunately, God has gone through and he's picked some people. And they're going to say yes to him. And so the idea of predestination is you, you get sent down a chute from God, and it's either heaven or hell, and he picked. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so hopefully you got picked. So it's like, um, you know, God says, okay, Dave here, Dave's going to be in. I'm going to save Dave. Tony, you're not picked, so you're headed to hell. And there's nothing that we can do about it because we can only say yes to God if he picked us to say yes to him. So the idea is total depravity uh, and then unconditional election. That means that God has elected some people. He has an elect. And it's, it's unconditional. There's nothing they can really say or do about it. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, he picked you. Good for you. And sorry, he didn't pick you. <laughs> um, um, and, and so, but then that, that leads to the L in Tulip, limited atonement, which says that Jesus only died for the people that God, Jesus died for Dave. He didn't die for Tony because Jesus wouldn't waste, his, God wouldn't waste Jesus' blood. So Jesus only died for the elect. And then there's, um, um, there's irresistible grace, which said that if God picked you, uh, Dave, is come, Dave is going to follow him because God's going to get his way. God is sovereign. So it's irresistible. Grace is irresistible to Dave. He has to say yes no matter what because God picked him. And that leads to perseverance of the saints, which says that once you're saved, you're always saved. You can't walk away from your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. Once you're in, you're in because God gets his way. Um, now, uh, you, some people believe some of those tenets, like perseverance of the saints. Some people believe that you have a choice, but once you make the choice, you, you can't lose your salvation. Others believe none of them. Uh, some believe all of them. Some believe some of them. I don't really care what you believe and all that. It's not a big deal to me. Um, I can just tell you, like, for me, um, I, like, 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 for me, limited atonement is the one that I have the hardest time with. Like, really, Jesus didn't die for everybody. He only died for some people. That... I mean, I, I get there, so the systematic thinking of that, but I just, it doesn't line up with, with a lot of scripture for me. Uh, but I respect, I respect the views of that. So that's, that's a real quick, simplified Calvinism reformed predestination. You'll read more about it in Core 52. What I want you to see is like, while I don't, I don't line up with Calvinism tulip reformed theology, um, what, I, what I do see is God uh, predestining people in the sense that that God had a group of people in mind, and he's like, you were made for this. This is, how, this is what you were made to be, and God is committed to that concept. Like, we were destined. There's a group of people that were destined to walk with God. So I want to read to you from Jeremiah and show you what I mean. <clears throat> I want you to see God's passion for having a group of people in this messed up world, Okay. God says, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. So there's great wrath from God when we don't choose him. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. Even though he punished them, he's bringing them back. They will be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing for them good. 
and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Now, this is a group of people that have turned from God, and they're scattered. They're being, like, punished. They're, they're all parts of the world, and God's like, I will make, there will be a group of people who love me, which is interesting to me and really shows me the heart of God, because for us, like, like you got to be committed on a parent level, because you, like you're not putting up with anybody else. If you have kids, you're not putting up with stuff from other people's kids. Like you put up with like like you know the, you you got to love kids to continually feed them every day, right? Like there's just an innate like I am committed to loving this child, and that's what you see where God's like, nope, <laughs> we're gonna get this right. And when it comes to predestination, for me, what I see is that God just I don't um. I don't know that God is calling the individuals, like, and, and it's going to be him and him and him and him and her and her and her and her and her. It's like, no, I will have a group of people who get this right. And so what I want to talk about today is like, there's this group of people that God envisions that are going to follow him and walk with him, and he has purpose for them. And we need an alarm every now and then to remind ourselves, no, I, I got to get back to this. I got to get back to who, who I'm supposed to be and, and what I'm supposed to be. And so, so the first thing that I want to talk about is, is this... Uh, There's an invitation that we all have. You're invited to something, and I'm invited to something. And it's the front end of just saying yes to Jesus. And so many people just get distracted from that simple invitation. Like, we, we, they never say yes to following Jesus, but they, they, they get distracted. And there's an invitation, and it's to be a part of this group of people. It's to be a part of God's elect. And we get going with other things, and we just never say yes. We never do step one. So take a look at how Jesus articulates it in Matthew 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now let me just take a minute, and again, I, you know, Reformed theology is all fine and good, and, and maybe that's where you're at. I assume that most people at Polaris don't really have a strong opinion about it. Um, we are not like a theology-driven, we don't have a, statement of belief that like you got to believe this or you can't be here um but this is one where jesus has come to me all you who are weary and if you're saying that he picks some people and other people can't then he's kind of saying come to me all you are weary are you weary in life come to me except tony like i, I think the invitation is for uh, yeah tony sorry man you just got picked and you're just gonna get um uh it looks to me like, just, just are you worn out by life? Are you far from God and worn out by life? Come to me. That's, that's, there's an invitation for everybody here. And so we, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, but you're familiar with the invitation, and now you are because I just showed you, it's probably because you got distracted by some other things in life. And so I'm going to talk about this a little more next week. There's some, there's some common distractions that's that spelled out for us. There's, there's a, approval, um, and, there's, and there's achievement, and there's acquisition. It's like we acquire things. We, 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 we struggle. So, so take a, let me stop here. Matthew 13, Jesus is talking about uh, this invitation, and he calls it like he, he tells a story about seeds getting planted. That's the invitation to life with God, to life with Jesus. And he says this, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, hears the invitation, but the worries of this life, 
and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the invitation or the word, making it unfruitful. So he's talking about categories of people who, who don't really step into this group of people who follow Jesus, who, who, who live out the life God made them for. And he says there's going to be a group of people that are just distracted by the worries of this world, which are plenty, and the deceitfulness of wealth. And so he's, he's kind of like there's going to be people that just set out to acquire things. Like they just, they, they just buy stuff to try to fill that void. And then there's going to be a group, a group of people that just try to achieve stuff. If I can just get, achieve the next milestone, if I can be the best in the gym or, or get into the neighborhood or, have, you know, what, they're just, they're just um, there's an achievement, there's a goal out there that I need to, to achieve. And then there's the approval thing, which is a huge trap for all of us, um, uh, where, where it's like, I, I just, I want, I want to be seen a certain way. I want to be the best um, decorator in the neighborhood. I want to be the best parent in the neighborhood. I want to be the best what, like it's, it's in Facebook and Instagram, lead the way in the approval thing where it's, it's, they'll get the likes and the admiration and the, but we get caught. He, he says, if you're, if you're weary, follow me. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what, what you get there is, um, um, which I'm just realizing I didn't read the rest of the passage um, can you go back to Matthew 11 and I'll, I'll uh, read the rest of read the whole thing. Matthew 11, not that far back. Is it locked up? There we go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now a yoke, a rabbi yoke, was their teaching. And Jesus says, if you're weary, take my yoke, because it's easy and light. Like, take my teaching, put them into practice. And so, all that to say, Jesus says there's, there's really one way to accept the invitation for rest, and that is to follow him. And, you know, the scriptures talk about believing that Jesus is who he said he was. It talks about repentance, which means, okay, I'm now going to live his way of life. And baptism is the other one that the, the, the first followers of Jesus submitted to baptism, where they were put underwater and brought out. It's a cleansing. It's a fresh start. It's a death and burial and a resurrection. And that's how someone said yes to Jesus in the Bible. And there's this incredible invitation, but we get distracted every now and then. We need that alarm to go off and say, nope, nope, this is what it's really about. There's a group of people that God has envisioned to be his very own. And he's committed to those people. And he wants a group like that. And there's an invitation to be a part of that group. And if you haven't said yes to that invitation, that's step one. And I, I would say just, you know, to be, to be frank, to be blunt, you're distracted. You're distracted by other things in life. If you have not stepped into that, you were destined to be this. It's who you were made to be. So cross that invitation off like get that done but it doesn't stop there because there's people who have said yes to jesus and go to church and talk with god and love people and love jesus and read the bible but they're distracted from the calling so there's an invitation and there's a calling god envisions a group of people and he invites them and he calls them and within that group of people comes this calling it's in matthew 28 
Matthew 28, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now you notice that that calling there is to people who follow Jesus, and he's saying, and it's your job to go and help other people get to where you've gotten. It's your job to go give the invitation to other people to follow Jesus the way you are following him. And so there's an invitation, there's a calling, and we get distracted. We get distracted by the same things that kept us from maybe crossing the line of faith, and we cross the line of faith, and those other things, approval, acquisition, achievement, they keep us from the mission. And it's easy to, it's easy to, to, to kind of test yourself. Um, it's a simple question. It's like, have I invited anybody to church with me recently? Have I invited people to take the steps I've taken? Have I had a spiritual conversation with anybody about what God is doing in my life? And there's plenty of people that follow Jesus their whole life and never do anything to help anybody connect with him like they're connected. And the, the bottom line is, a lot of times you rule yourself out, but that, that, that's the mission. I mean, it doesn't matter what you think you can do. God looks at you and he says, this Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Like, you have a calling, you have an invitation, and you have a calling. And if you're never doing anything to help people get to where you are, then you've gotten distracted. You need the alarm to get you back. Nope, you are made. You are made to help people get to where you are, to pass along what God has done in your life. It's a calling. It's something you need to do. And so, if you look at yourself and you say, man, I have spent more time on Facebook interacting and liking and, and looking at my likes and that than I have actually helping the people in my life, the real people, take steps of faith that I've taken, then you might need to look and say, man, am I... If you look and I say, I've never invited anybody to church or I've never had a... I've invited people to other social things and, and activities... Because suburbia is filled with activities, right? I've invited people to clam bakes, but never to church with me. Or I, you know, I've had conversations about um, what the Browns need to do, but I've never had conversations about what's working in my life spiritually and, and, and taking it to that kind of a level. And I know that there's a, that's a big step to go from a consumer faith to a contributor faith where you're helping other people. But that's the calling. So God envisions a group of people and they walk with him and he's their children and they benefit from him. There's back and forth. Also in his vision for that group of people, predestined. A group of people is the idea that you're now going to help other people get to where you are spiritually. It's a very important calling. And so, don't abandon the invitation and get distracted. Don't get distracted from your calling either. Very important. There's one more that I want you to think about. And that's the identity. The identity. The basic. Um, there's an invitation and there's calling there's also just your identity. Um, and we, there's, there's a lot in life pulling at us from our identity, telling us all kinds of things about who we are and who we aren't. And, 
And there's an element of all of this that is just good news uh, that we can rest in and be inspired by, and that's our identity. I want to close with looking at, at Paul's um, sort of life creed, and you guys can come on up because we're going to do one last song after this. Paul says this in Galatians 2. <coughs> he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at that clarity, that focus. Paul doesn't need alarms to remind. He knows, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's a strong statement. I no longer live. It is no longer about me. I am pursuing nothing else but Jesus. He says that, I know that I am loved by him, and he gave himself up for me. So there's just that. I am loved. There is a group that God has envisioned, and he died for them to bring them to himself. And you're a part of that, and you are loved, and you are chosen to be a part of this group. And so don't lose sight. There's a lot to be said for clarity in life. I hope that you leave here with that clarity. You are a chosen part of that group, and he loved you, and he gave himself up for you. And there is a clear invitation, and there is a clear calling, and there is clear identity in life, and it's yours through Jesus.